Hello and welcome. On this week's episode of Tales to Admonish, we discuss the new Nintendo Switch that is being released shortly and why it has elicited a collective meh from everybody. <laughs> Richard Donner passes away at 91. We take a little time to reflect on his legacy and some of the amazing films that he contributed to our childhood. Donner's a goner. Jesus Christ. A little soon, man. <laughs> I approve, but I disapprove. <laughs> Me too, somehow. Marvel releases a new trailer for their upcoming cartoon series, What If? We take a look at some of the little Easter eggs hiding and speculate about some of the plot points that might be coming our way. And of course, we're going to spend the vast majority of today's episode discussing Loki Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. Woo-hoo! It was almost everything that we wanted out of a series. It's leading us into the final episode. We are super stoked to break it down. So join us on Tales to Advice. <laughs> I felt like in the beginning, like you were going for the old guy version of Tales to Admonish with that one. It sounded old. Very it old. Was. It was old. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Tales to Admonish, episode 6043. <laughs> oh, I, I like I like that. I like I love that. I love that crotchety voice on you. That sounds good. <laughs> thank you thank you god willing we get to episode 6843 or whatever the hell i just said it's gonna happen it's gonna happen so how are you sir what's new hey man oh man uh, i'm so excited I, yeah i teach an anime art class and yeah, yeah, yeah. They, my kids always get excited to hear about the new anime that i'm doing a voice on so some of my voices came out on um the seven deadly sins anime on netflix so I got, oh, uh, uh, speaking of crotchety old man, I play a crotchety old man in the forest in uh, episode, what is it, four or something? On uh, the, the latest season of Seven Deadly Sins. So the name of the series is Seven Deadly Sins? That's right. And it's on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's on its fifth season. It's on season. Netflix, nice. Yeah, um, and uh, fun fact, I actually get to play Melodius, the main character. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he, he turns into a monster. Mm-hmm. And I do a, a one roar for him. Sounds kind of like this. <laughs> I got to play the lead in that show for a microsecond. <laughs> hey, man, it's that's one microsecond more than most. And it's funny you do that because I think about that when in animes, when you have like the human character and then they turn into a monster, I, I wonder, does the same voice actor then have to like growl into a microphone for a third of the episode? Most of the time. Uh, but the, a lot of the time they, they want to save the voice of the main actor mm-hmm. because they use their voice for most of the show and. You know, like uh, doing monsters can be vocally taxing. Yeah, you mentioned that before, for sure. What's going on with you, buddy? Not too much, not too much. Just doing my thing. Uh, Yankees are winning a few more baseball games now. Yankees! So I'm about that, Yankees. And uh, the All-Star Weekend is is coming up, so that'll be excited. I just got in the mail this morning my new copy of Fangoria Sick. that has a new movie coming out called The Werewolves Within on the cover. I'm, I'm anxious to dig into it because I've been seeing some buzz about this movie. It's apparently a, a black-fronted werewolf movie, mm. and it's getting rave reviews. Um, so I'm excited to to read that. It's a, I love these things. They come out, I think it's every three months you get one, and it's a mm-hmm. really thick 
thick hardcover like magazine. And the, the reason I subscribe and the reason I love this and Fangoria doesn't give us a dime, obviously, but um, it's because they will not reprint any of the stories online. So hmm. when they produce the magazine, the only way to read the article in the magazine is to buy the magazine. You can't go to Fangoria.com and subscribe and read it there. Like it gives it gives some more value to the to the actual print media. And I think physical media is is dying a little bit these days, you know. So I have a certain fondness for physical media, at least in print form. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fucking comic book guy since I was seven years old. So, of course, I love my brethren, my brethren. That's right. <laughs> Which leads to you storing a metric ass ton of paper in your home. Oh, yeah. Like my girlfriend, God love her, her tolerance for long boxes. And, and she's <laughs> Because it is, it's it's heavy, it's heavy, but I like yeah. I like the feel of the thing in my hand. So if anybody likes that sort of thing too, uh, get Fangoria because I'm having a good time with it. Man, I, I used to, I, mean, I used to really be hardcore into that, but uh, practicality wise, like I just didn't have enough space for it. That's what I'm saying. It takes up a shit ton of space. Other than things got digital, honestly, because, you know, as an artist, I could just zoom in on stuff. It's, it's made the re- comic book experience like... A lot better for me because you know I got glasses and stuff. Did you know? Because I originally got comics just to like learn the artwork and stuff. Eventually, I really got into the stories, like really, really got into the stories. But uh, it's it's always been about looking at the art and like I remember being standoffish about that for a while because you know we we were purists. Uh huh. I I couldn't wait to get my stack of comics, go to the bathroom, and (laughs) just be in the bathroom (laughs) for hours reading my books. I was like, oh my god, I was. I could have wait every time. <laughs> no, I'm the same exact way. But, you know, it's funny. I haven't really read print comics. So I'm I I hate this about me. But at the same time, I will go buy a comic and I don't want to break the spine. So I never open it. I slide it into a bag with a board and I tape it shut and I put it in its box and then I go read it digitally. <laughs> <laughs> So I haven't oh, actually man. read a modern physical comic in forever. You know, I That's talk about crazy. Sweet Tooth all the time. I read I read that whole series digitally. You know, I've read I've read every comic I've read for like the last 10 years digitally. So I'm I love I love digital books and digital comics and the convenience of that because paper is fucking cumbersome, man. I have a yeah. lot of paper in my life between just books and comic books so no i'm 100 i I don't dislike digital comics i think digital comics are the future they are 100 where the medium should be going it's a lot more democratic too because you don't have the same production costs so a lot more creators can get in on the game i mean shit you're drawing them digitally Mm -hmm. then you yourself can just make them available or share them with your friends you don't have to sit down and make paper to make paper as it were I remember when I got a hankering for Preacher, I would just go to Barnes and Nobles and just spend a, a, like a, like six hours there reading the, the graphic novels. I hope you put them back because I had friends that worked at Barnes and Nobles and then <laughs> motherfuckers would sit there for hours and then just leave a stack of books and fucking leave. <laughs> they, they want you to do that. Oh, oh, that's job security. That's what you're saying. If you don't leave those books out, nobody pays those people to put those books back. You're you, helping. It, I remember there being signs that just leave them there. 
<laughs> yeah, because they don't want you putting them back wrong. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, man, we, got, good we got stacks of books. We got stacks of books. And, you know, I mean, now physical media, like you're a video game dude. Um, do you prefer physical media for your video game? Or do you think that these online stores are where it's at? Because I'm a little skeptical of the online stores for, for for things that you buy, like movies. I love to have a movie as a disc. Do you feel not, the same way about video games? Not, not for me, man. Like, I've, I've actually been at war with GameStop for, like, 20 years. Like, I hate GameStop. <laughs> that's that's the main, like, that's one of the main reasons why, um, you know, sure not the only reason, but one of the main reasons a lot of these uh, console companies... Uh, started going super digital because GameStop was just making money hand over fist off of their off off of their stuff. Um, is is crazy? Like, cause GameStop, like they'll they'll buy a game back for you for seven dollars and then <laughs> and then go around and and, and charge six, for fifty six, for sixty and fifty. It was like yeah, it's yeah. like it's so insane. Like what they would do. You know? Well, for the video game companies, it makes sense because everybody wants to control their secondary market. You have the primary market when you buy a thing brand new, but then you have a whole secondary market where people sell things that they previously owned. And if you can get rid of quote unquote previously owned video games so that there there's now no secondary market, I don't see that as a direct conflict with you know, GameStop exists because games exist and somebody's selling them. GameStop is the is the used car lot of the video game market. Yeah. And so there's always going to be a used car lot or a pawn store jewelry, you know, broker well, Tom, or that Tommy, kind of stuff. Tommy, you weren't at the, at the on the other end of it. I was on the other end of, end of it for years. And I, I say, fuck you, GameStop, and I'm glad you're losing business. <laughs> well, fair enough. No, no, a lot of people do joke on them that they give you $1.50 for something and then sell yeah. it for 40 bucks. Screw them, that's, man. So, that's kind of fucky. I, I I like the idea of uh you know I, I get my digital release like I don't you know gone are the days there's like um hey can you loan me your disc and then you never get your disc back you know <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah but now you can't never loan nobody your disc like well, exactly like exactly Tom. <laughs> I miss. I used. To, I like borrowing games from my friends and loaning. You don't them play my games, games anymore, bro. <laughs> no, but when I did, I enjoyed that aspect. Of that doesn't matter it. now. <laughs> That's when you did it like 18 years ago or whatever it was. <laughs> I just hate a world where like if my Wi-Fi is down, I can't access the shit I paid for. You can't access you know? it. It's in it's it's downloaded in your hard drive. You just sure, can't, sure, sure. You just can't now play online. Is. Yeah. Now it is. I'm just saying. They're going to lock this shit down, that, that these sorts of <laughs> industries only move towards more control. Well, okay, so for example, for example, look at Disney+. Plus. Right now, Disney+, Plus doesn't have a download option. So if I pay $30 to own the Black Widow movie, and then my Wi-Fi goes out, I can't watch it. I, I'm just... I'm advocating for physical media a little bit here in video games just because yeah, the random like time, the random time your internet will go out. Like when you have access to it the whole year and then you ignore that you have the black, black widow movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, for me personally, it doesn't really matter. Cause I don't really play video games like Rachel. Rachel has a switch. And when it came time to buy her a switch for Christmas, I bought her a physical copy of her favorite game. Mm -hmm. And, because those tiny I wanted little to make sure micro she, SD, those tiny little SD cartridges. 
Yeah, I wanted to make sure she had it. Now, could she have gone to their game store and bought the digital copy of the game? I don't know how the Switch works, but I assume you can do that. But I like the idea of her having the physical game because I'm old school that way. Just, just I don't know. I think there's something to be said for physical media because once everything is digital, then the masters control your access to it. Yeah, now you can download it to your console. But yeah. what if a few years down the line, they're like, nah, we're doing away with that figure because internet speeds are so high. There's really no reason for you to ever have to store this on your thing. And this is just what we want to do. Now it's subscription. You know, look at Adobe Photoshop. You know, it used to yeah. be that you spent $1,000, you bought the program, it was expensive as fuck, but you owned it forever. Now, you, you don't ever own anything. Do you ever really, well, really I mean, own anything? I mean, like, if you're going to go into specifics, you owned a certain model of Photoshop. You know, it's not like I agree with this, but I'm just saying you owned a certain model of Photoshop. They come out with new stuff that deals with the new computers. So if you want access to that, if you want access to that, you have to pay for that one or else you have to suffer with the old one, with the old technology of the computers. It's like, I mean, that's really the thing, you know, and then with and then with uh, uh, still with the Sony stuff, like say you have your hard drive and it's full. You can you can erase your the game, quote unquote, but you can reload it anytime you want. Like that's that's the thing. Like they they don't have they don't just keep your stuff. You have access. No, I know. It's a convenient storage option. I totally understand when all of it is working in the consumer's favor, then it's all really, really great. But it allows the game companies and the media companies to ultimately control shit. And it's a horrible example, but look at what happens in Hollywood when people get canceled and then suddenly shit just disappears. Like mm-hmm. the 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 masters decide. So Christiella is uh, a predator. He was found to be grooming minors for sexual purposes, got busted, and now his ass is fucking canceled and rightfully so. So what he appeared on an episode of Workaholics and uh, Comedy Central or whoever it was that produced that episode uh, deleted it, took it off their streaming service, got rid of it, and they act as though that episode simply does not exist. All future pressings of the DVD copies of that show no longer contain that episode. And so while I think that canceling that motherfucker is the right thing to do, but to start pretending that shit that is problematic or shit that we don't like simply doesn't exist is a luxury that you have when you don't have physical media. And in that instance, you know, you could say that that decision is morally right. But let's say a few years down the line, these media companies decide that they just don't want you to have access to something or other. And they're like, we're deleting it because we can, because fuck you. And so... (laughs) So physical media has a value is, I guess, my only real, you know, we got really long winded on that on such a small topic about. Uh, I'm sure this is important. I'm sure this is important to, you know, 3% of our listenership. So that it still means (laughs) it still means something. Now, speaking about like, you know, feeling aggro against uh, 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 video game companies. Did you see that shitty trailer that Nintendo just came out with? Jesus Christ. Oh, the new Switch. The Switch nobody asked for. Oh yep. my God. The new Nintendo Switch is coming out. It's going to be released on October 8th. And you're like, oh, damn, a brand new Nintendo Switch. This shit's going to be awesome. I bet they yeah. made everything great. 
and, and then they didn't. Yeah, like I mean, especially especially after the E3, they you know we we knew something was funny when they didn't announce it on the E3 because it it was in the it, there was a stench in the air that oh yeah we're gonna get a pro switch now something that comes close to um like HD gaming like 8K gaming or 4K nope. or even 4K gaming, you know. So what did they give us, Tom? What they gave you was a $350 OLED switch. Yay! <laughs> For people who don't know, the difference between LED technology and OLED technology is relatively slight. So the current models of Nintendo Switches have a 6.2-inch screen, and they are powered by LED, which means that there is a backlight that is always on when the screen is in use, and yet it still looks very nice. How big is the screen now, Tom? <laughs> well, Arthur, I'll tell you. What they did <laughs> is they changed it over to OLED, which stands for organic LED. And in this instance, every pixel is activated individually. So you get non-backlit screens that have a richer black and richer color. So you get more contrast, which is part Yay. of the depth of you. So it looks... It looks really, really nice. And wow. they also upped it from 6.2 inch to a uh, a seven inch screen. It's seven inches now. Yay. Right. They increased it by eight tenths of an inch. That's so, so awesome. If I actually <laughs> played my system handheld, that mean, would mean so much to me. But I don't because I play <laughs> it on my TV. <laughs> and unfortunately an OLED screen doesn't mean 4K. It will still only be 1080p even though presumably an OLED screen would be able to support 4K natively, maybe not at that size, but you could then presumably port out at 4K, which you you cannot port out at 4K. You cannot do. Tommy, Tommy, I got to tell you, man. I'm so tired of Nintendo with this bait and switch. Get what I said? Bait and switch uh -huh. bullshit. Like they're shoveling their shit in our face and and and, and asking us to smile and be happy about it. Like that trailer well, that trailer was horrendous. Let's break down this trailer. I haven't seen let's, it. Tell me about it. Let's break down this trailer. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, I thought you saw this this freaking No, no, no. I just read up on it. This freaking mockery. Oh my god. First of all, they make all these things sound like it's cutting edge and new after uh, E3 happens. This is the sort of thing you would put at E3. But Nintendo is smart enough to know that everyone would shit on this freaking commercial and it'd be horrible press because like they're they're constantly sidestepping innovation. The like and, and going for some other thing that looks like it's innovation because they keep peddling this technology that's 10 years old. It's like in order for us to get Nintendo to finally be as powerful as, as PS5, we have to wait another 10 years because like they <laughs> constantly stay, constantly stay back in back in the. And the, the Stone Ages. Oh, yeah. So these are the things that they prompt up in this thing. First of all, they talk about it's seven inches now. So who does that affect? That affects everybody that only plays it handheld. What about the people that play on their TVs, their big-ass TVs? Oh, like it's they didn't want to say anything. They didn't want to say anything about that. They also talk about how big and wider the stand is for the Switch now. And the fact that, oh, they fixed the, the Wi-Fi jack in the back, the wired LAN thing in the back. But they've, they've had this since the PS2. <laughs> I know Ethernet was invented in like 1984 and they're adding it to the housing of the Wii like it's some great advancement. But you, dude, you got to see this trailer. Like, pa pause, pause. Watch this trailer. <laughs> All right. 
right. <laughs> Please remain on the line as we value your call. All right, we're back. And we have seen, well, at least I've seen the trailer now, and I know exactly what Arthur's talking about. Uh, Nintendo is... They suck. They suck. <laughs> they are embarrassingly proud of a fucking Ethernet port. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't forget about that stand. Don't forget about that stand, Tom. Don't forget about that brand new stand. You know, like a salt shaker serves the same purpose, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. They're so embarrassingly proud of the goofiest shit. Enhanced audio. You know, what what does that even mean? No, it doesn't mean anything. What I've seen on it is that it has slightly larger speaker ports, which could mean maybe a larger speaker. I don't know, but they don't. Nintendo actually doesn't give the specs on that. They just call it enhanced audio. Exactly. So sketchy. But it's pretty funny, man. They do the big flyover shot, and they do the animation of removing the back housing of the dock, and then they're like, Ethernet port. (laughs) (laughs) You you mean like what what PlayStation 2 had? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like 15 years ago? Like PlayStation 2. Oh, my God. It's, It's funny. You're exactly right, because... They, the other main addition is that they've doubled the storage from 32 gigs to 64 gigs, but it's still... Oh, wow! 64 gigs is embarrassing in this day and age. You can store 500 gigs on a flash drive, for Christ's sake, and that you're all excited about 64 gigs. It's actually a smart move for them because they only came out with a, gu- a game every, like, once a year. Yep. Based off of the whole life cycle of the Switch, you'll probably fill it up in 2024. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's I could see why they didn't release this at E3 because it would have just been mocked. They're not really showing anything. It's just, yeah, the Switch is great and here's a slightly better version. And the people being blown away by the quality of an OLED screen. It it's silly. It's kind of silly. All right. Let's let's go on to something more important. You uh you saw that what if trailer, right? The new cartoon coming Oh heck out? yeah. Oh yeah, like oh Anytime it's Marvel, it's quality, man. Marvel, <laughs> Marvel puts everything to shame. They have the series coming out on August 11th, and we don't know if it's going to drop every episode at once or if they're going to give us an episode a week, but I think it's going to be an episode a week. That's just their format. That's their that's their game, so I think that's how they're going to play it. Yeah, um, definitely when you, when you gauge this trailer to the first one that they came up with, it just seems like they've been able to spend a lot more time fine-tuning the animation. Oh, it looks much better, yeah. It just looks slick. It just looks great. You're getting more of a look on all the things that they're changing around. Um, it's funny because, in a way, they're just recycling what we've already seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're this all scenes like a, from the movies, remix. but just slightly different. But that's exactly the fun of it. Yeah. We get Killmonger saving Stark at the beginning of Iron Man 1. So mm-hmm. how does that change mm-hmm. everything? Because mm-hmm. Tony will never have that moment of empathy and that life-changing experience with the, the scientist in the cave. Uh, T'Challa mm-hmm. becomes Star-Lord, which is sad, man, because it's uh, Chadwick Boseman's last portrayal of the role before his death. So that's going to be really yeah. kind of like emotional when you hear that voice again. Yeah, I'm just I'm just happy that he was able to be part of it. Um, I just but it still just makes me mad that they're not recasting Chala. 
Yeah, it's just, yeah. just really, really, really weird. That they will. They, that. I think they will. I think they just want to put a little bit more space between it. You know, you put out Wakanda Forever, and then you go from there, and then you reintroduce a new one. I think they just don't want to be a little bit too soon with it. I don't know. Yeah. But you disagree, and I agree yeah. with your perspective 100%. Yeah. You're totally valid. Uh, we get Howard the Duck. Yeah, we got Howard. That was interesting to me because we only got glimpses of Howard the Duck during the, you know, his after credit scene in Guardians of the Galaxy. So most of these what if storylines seem to center around known events in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he doesn't really have a whole lot of them. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, um, I'm glad to glad to see that. Um, glad to see uh, Captain Carter. Yeah, doing her thing. Cool. You're, you're getting to see all these glimpses of things. Um, I was talking to you earlier that I was hoping that like this was a bingeable series because I don't want to wait weekly for this. <laughs> they're gonna make you because I mean they're all gonna be they're all gonna they're gonna be different different episodes and stuff. Just give us this one is this one you should binge. Yeah, you know, the other yeah. one the, the other shows are, are are good for you to stew on for a week. I like I like that, but I think I think I think we can determine what should be bingeable and what shouldn't be bingeable. I think you know? a lack of continuity from episode to episode is a good base criteria for making that uh, assessment. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm happy about that. Was there anything else? You, anything else you seen? Seen? Well, yeah. The only other thing I want to talk about. It, I mean, it looks like Spider Man becomes Doctor Strange, which is awesome. Um, mm. And the the one thing I wanted to talk about that I found interesting was. All of these characters are 100% within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My thought would have been, you own all of the toys now. Like, can we get some what-if storylines with characters from the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or or any of that? They want to keep the movie audience, man. You know, because... Yeah, they, Marvel. Marvel already has its like line of like you know animated series stuff that goes you know whether it's X Men or or the Avengers cartoon and stuff. Like this is specifically for that movie audience to be brought into the animation. It, it's smart that they're doing it this way. I guess, but I fe- it feels like the show should be called "What If the Marvel Movies Were Different." Not what if. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I it is. You. It's kind of like, what I if the Marvel you. movies were different? <laughs> I want what if. I want what if Wolverine was Ghost Rider. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, come on. Give me what if. Yeah. Marvel. Marvel's playing the long game to make sure they can do the transition correctly. And I really respect them for it. Like, because they're, they're, they're so brilliant. Like, you know, the, the public already has a very well-worn visual understanding of the X-Men from Fox. Yeah, yeah. How do you counteract that? You counteract that by uh, introducing this multiverse thing and making it a Mm -hmm, a palatable mm -hmm. thing that there's multiple versions of all of these heroes. That's what's going to bring the whole Spider-Man universe together. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're soft, like, playing it. Well, they they started soft doing it with with, uh, WandaVision. And yep. then they they went they went really far into with Loki, and then like now they're gonna take like a super super mainstream character through the movies, you know, and introduce yeah. the, the idea with you know like of there being different ones, and then eventually they're just gonna do the same thing with with Wolverine. They need the new Wolverine to have a solid hand. I can't believe I've totally forgot to mention this earlier. You're exactly right about the Wolverine thing, but Hugh Jackman on his social media recently posted 
a picture of him with Kevin Feige and then right after that posted a picture of Wolverine Claws and then everybody went fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's that's exactly where they're going to go. I mean, that's oh, going to bring... Do they dare? That's going to bring... Well, that's what's going to bring that, like, in complete... In that, that complete audience for all of those X-Men, like the, the fans, because it was a huge fan base for for those movies and and those movies were there they were a series for 20 years you know yeah yeah so uh and some yeah, of like, them were good like bring <laughs> yeah especially with especially especially with Deadpool kind of topping out at the end of all of those he's the best um oh yeah of course like the biggest stars out of that is Deadpool Wolverine and I'll give it up to uh Fassbender and um McAvoy McAvoy, because yeah. like they're Professor X and Magneto were the shit as well. Like, oh, Fassbender is fantastic suit. in everything. He's so how can yeah. he be that good? Yeah. So, um, but that being said, you know, like, I mean, I'm I'm not sure they're gonna get Fassbender, but like they're definitely gonna have room for Wolverine. And um, yeah, like I mean, it's it's gonna happen. Well, they're finding creative ways to bring them all together. And I think getting like Alfred Molina, which, ooh, fun news bit too. Kevin Feige was ragging on Alfred Molina. Uh, he was doing an interview and they asked him some detail about the upcoming Eternals movie. And he said, why don't you go ask Alfred Molina? Uh, he, he did it in such a polite way. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing was because Alfred Molina had let some shit slip about the new Spider-Man movie and he wasn't supposed to. And so now if you want, I'll give you a tiny spoiler that I heard during the Alfred Molina interview where they asked him, you died at the end of Spider-Man two. Like how can you possibly be in the new Spider-Man? And he said, well, you saw me go into the river and you saw everything fall in around me. And that's the last time you see me. He goes, and that's where they're going to pick me up. Yeah. And he said it, he was like, that's right where the story picks up is right when I hit the water. It's like, Oh shit. Like at the one hand, that's shitty. He spoiled it, but that's so fucking awesome. I mean, he's an old guy who's not like really connected to this stuff. That dude's like a master actor. He's not like connected to all this nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, he, but he, he took he, a lot like, of ribbing like, for letting that go. That that's where we're gonna meet uh, his he, character he again. He it's a small spoiler, but it's fun. He's Alfred Molina. He don't give a damn. <laughs> you know, that, that's, and that's and that's honestly, I really feel like they coordinate these spoilers. Especially with Tom Holland, yeah, 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 they you know, play like, that I, shit I, up. I feel like they make it make it a cute kind of a cute thing, you know, and it get it keeps like kind of an excitement. Like uh, whoever's running the publicity is is geniuses for like for Marvel. Oh know? yeah, 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 for sure. Because you never know what's real or what's fake with uh, <laughs> with that all of that. So um, yeah, like that's that's gonna be good. There's been a lot of a lot of teasing around for the what if series as to what they're gonna show, and I hope that a season two brings us some some Fantastic Four, or some X Men, and that as the universe gets a little bit bigger, and as they as they start running through the movie stories, that they move on to some of the comic book stories too. Because I like the movie universe, I love it, but I, I want to see some diversified stuff. I want to see some weird stuff. I mean, I, th- I think we're seeing some weird stuff. I mean, they're giving us everything. We're definitely seeing some weird stuff. They're, they're giving us everything. Before we get into all the weirdness that is, you know, the most recent episode of Loki talking about weird stuff, it would be best if we took a moment and acknowledge the passing of Richard Donner at the age of 91. Legend. This guy is the OG superhero movie guy. He created the template for that idealism and the the way that we all think about superhero movies, I think, at least for me, starts with Superman. 
Oh yeah. You know, that, that movie was so pivotal in just showing what was possible and, and what you could do with a character like that. And of course, oh, yeah. you know, what Christopher Reeves brought to the character, but that, that, that you cannot understate how important that movie was for people who love the shit we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, those, those movies were just like a complete blueprint for like what, what's all came, you know, after, you know, like from, from the score to the casting. Yeah. To like, yeah. You know, a bunch, a bunch of techniques. I mean, uh, you know, Donner was always a consummate professional and, and, uh, came from a time where directors could kind of direct any genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I mean, he was he was very kind of perfect to put something like this one together. Well, he cut his teeth know? in television for, like, 20 years before he ever even made mm-hmm. a feature. And then funny fact about, or fun fact about Superman is that they actually, the studio was filming Superman 1 and 2 simultaneously, which is not something that was that commonly done back then. And the reason mm-hmm. that Richard Lester is listed as the the director of Superman two is that Donner ran into some conflict with the production company. And apparently he wanted to focus on just finishing Superman one. And then he would shoot all the shots for Superman two, but he felt like it was getting a little bit weird doing them both at the same time. And the studio basically said, well, you can wrap up Superman one and then you're done and we'll get somebody else in to wrap up Superman two. And there's a lot of back and forth about what the actual friction was between them. But long story short, we get Dick Donner doing Superman one and being the director of Superman one. And then Richard Lester being the director of Superman two. Funny enough, in Mm -hmm. 06, they released what was known as the Donner cut of Superman two, which I'm ashamed a little bit to say I've never seen, but apparently the big hangup in getting that done was that Marlon Brando's estate somehow owned his scenes in Superman two that were never published somehow by virtue of them never being released as part of the movie, the rights reverted to his, to, to his, to him. It's his estate in 2006, actually, because he was dead by that point, and that they actually had to get the rights to the footage that they themselves shot of Marlon Brando. So, yeah, so Dick Donner, he also produced all the Lethal Weapon movies and Goonies, which is uh, one of the one of the top you know, classic movies of anyone's childhood who's in our age group. Anyway. I mean, let's, yeah, let's not, let's not step over Goonies. Like everything he was able to do with that. I remember seeing a, a, a lot of, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, behind the scenes footage of just how he dealt with the kids. He, he yeah, was like yeah. part dad, part dad, part professional with these kids. And that energy really came out with these performances. Like, I mean, like what, what kid performances have you seen? Outside of you know Stranger Things trying to copy the performance, yeah, yeah, which is an ape Goonies. of Goonies. Yeah, like I mean, but like, what what performances of a group of kids have you ever seen in a movie that matches like Goonies? And by all accounts, that relationship that he had with them was a hundred percent genuine. There's a great story that Jeff Cohen tells. Jeff Cohen is Chunk from from Goonies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after Goonies. Jeff Cohen couldn't get a job because he was Chunk at that point. Everybody knew him as Chunk and it typecasted him mm-hmm. and he he couldn't get any work as a child actor. So when he got a little mm-hmm. bit older, Dick Donner hired him as a production assistant and started assistant started teaching him about, you know, Hollywood. 
Then when he became old enough to go to college, he asked uh, Richard Donner to write him a recommendation. And so uh, Donner said, well, just give me some notes about some things in your life that you'd like me to reference. And I'll write, you know, basically anything you want me to write. And he read this letter that Jeff wrote about, you know, his dad being an awful person and having trouble growing up and then being basically typecasted. And now he can't do anything in Hollywood. Richard Donner and his wife paid for Jeff Cohen's entire collegiate career. Paid to send him to college and he became an entertainment lawyer. And now he mostly tries to make sure that kids don't get screwed over by their parents. Yeah, man. So beautiful between his work and what he did off screen, Dick Donner bought a lot of good shit into this world. And so he was one of the good ones. He directed some um, uh, Gilligan's Island. He directed like every TV show from the fifties and sixties that you can think of at least once or twice. He was everywhere. Um, Oh yeah. Crazy fact, he got Mario Puzo to write Superman 2. The guy who wrote the fucking Godfather, because Donner asked him, wrote Superman 2. Oh, man. So so he was one of the good ones, but 91 years is as much as any of us could ask for, so he had a good run, and so we'll miss, we'll miss Richard Donner. Yeah, I got to see Richard Donner at Comic-Con one time. No shit. Um, so, so, yeah, like, yeah, like, Back when, um, before it became like just super mutated, like uh, I got to see Donner, I got to see um, a Miyazaki, like uh, uh, what's what's his name from Pixar? I don't uh, wh- wh- who's the lead guy from Pixar? Man, I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he brought he brought out. You got me on uh, that He one. brought out. He brought he brought out Miyazaki and like and Miyazaki doesn't doesn't really make a lot of uh, stateside appearances, mm-hmm. you know, and uh and then Donner was there and also, um, um, the guy that did Gremlins, he came out and was showing some stuff too, so uh that that man those those are some great times man with Donner man I mean Brian Singer basically aped his whole Superman Returns movies off of Donner's style. Brian Singer, like, felt like he had to do a complete send up to his work for his Superman Returns. I really liked the look of Brandon Routh, and I really felt like Brandon Routh had a real Christopher Reeves quality to him in that movie. That movie's not great, but but he he's good in it, and the aesthetic and the the heart of the movie is definitely there. I think. I feel different. I feel <laughs> like. I feel like I mean like I like I like Brandon Routh, but I think Brandon Routh now would have been a good Superman then, because he wasn't that experienced. You're actor right. That that's then. a hundred percent fair. But the part of me finds that naivety sort of charming, um, and it feels a little Christopher Reeve to me. But I totally understand. That's a completely fair criticism. It's just a lot to put on a young actor. Especially mm-hmm. with all the stuff Brian Singer was doing back back in those days mm. to his like lead actors, <laughs> I don't know if you mean that euphemistically or not. No, I mean it in the most terrible way possible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was awful. But anyway, yeah, he was awful. Like I, I imagine I can't even imagine what Brandon had to deal with, like being on that set. Yeah, you know. Um, but it, it's just like you. But you could see it in the performance. You could see that he was a bit stilted, and that it's just like. You you have that um that that one uh, syndrome when you feel like you're an imposter imposter syndrome like yeah. impos- impo- imposter syndrome 
And you can see that. It's just like, I'm Superman in the, in this movie. And, you know, uh, like, like the, the hopes are that I can have the spirit of Christopher Reeves. Why am I here? Someone take me out of this costume right now. I want to leave. I want to leave. A hundred percent. I totally get that. A hundred percent. I just felt like it's got that it's got that Donner flavor. And I think I think Brandon it definitely does has good charm in it. And he feels that I, I listened to a great interview with Brandon Routh one time talking about being terrified the entire filming of that because he was so new. There so you young. go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the the people that people that really uh, it was Parker Posey and Kevin Spacey that shoot that cinema baby. Oh god, they really <laughs> do, don't they? They really do. That movie. I mean, oh we're not gonna god. let's not dive into Superman Returns. That'll be another time. But it's got a little bit of that Donner flavor, and we're talking about uh, Richard Donner, and he was he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. What I, what I what I was meaning to say oh, yeah, is ahead. like they th- it seemed like they came right out of a Donner movie. Yeah, 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 uh, that's the, true. Park, 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 Parker Posey and, and Kevin, you know, uh, so that was that was great. You're exactly right. You know, what's funny. One other last funny story about Richard Donner that I'll, I'll leave everybody with. So Gene Hackman is Lex Luthor in the in the Superman movies from the 80s. And Gene Hackman always has a mustache, always has a mustache. And so when Richard Donner gave him the part, Hackman said, you know, look, I, I want to play Lex Luthor with a mustache. And Donner said, oh, I have a mustache. I'm very attached to it. I totally understand. You know, why don't you come in for a reading, blah, 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 and the whole thing. We'll talk about it. So he brings him in to talk about it. And he goes, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to shave the mustache off right now. I just want to see your face without the mustache. I think it would work without it. If you shave your mustache off, I'll shave mine off. All right. It's a fair deal. And so Gene Hackman goes, all right, I'll do it. If you shave yours off, I'll shave mine off. And so they shaved uh, Gene Hackman's mustache off. And then Richard Donner peels off his fake mustache that he'd been wearing for days. (laughs) 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 To convince Gene Hackman that A, he had a mustache and B, really liked it so that he could trick him into shaving off his mustache. Gene Hackman respected it so much that he agreed to do the role without the mustache. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, with with Donner's passing, I also have to bring up Suzanne Douglas. Oh yeah, you'd mentioned uh, she, was the, she, she was she was she was she was a, a character actress. Uh, that was she was the mother in the Parenthood, and just like a, a really wonderful actress that like has like credits in so many shows and and movies. But she passed, and I just wanted to speak out speak out about her as well. Right on. You had mentioned that earlier and I wasn't like super familiar with her work necessarily, but if if you're a fan of hers, then so am I. Well, you've seen her and stuff. I'm sure I have. Yeah. So she, she passed uh, way, like way too young. Robert Downey senior just actually just recently. Yes. So yes, I just saw that too. I guess they come in threes, you know? Yeah. Uh, Maverick of television. Yeah. So like, I mean, Great, great legend. Oh, Maverick well. was another movie directed by Richard by Donner. Donner. <laughs> it <laughs> all comes around. Oh, that's a cyclical. <laughs> always in threes, always in threes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of threes, we're going to pick up Loki with his three new friends right where we left him off in the last episode. <laughs> you like that transition, baby? Oh, uh, yeah. 
I was actually <laughs> trying to use that a segue too, but I couldn't count enough characters because it wasn't just three; it was four because it's the alligator. oh, the alligator is a Loki, so I'm an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, that counts. That, you're right. All right. That's I was trying to make it work, but I was just like, "Well, I don't think that math works." Ah, oh, shit! That would have been perfect. Well, he goes off. He goes <laughs> off with the three he can trust. <laughs> make it work, man. Make that segue work, that's right, boy. That's right. That's right. I will twist myself into knots to make this shit work. I will twist myself Hell into knots yeah. to make this that's shit work. That's some commitment there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love you. <laughs> oh, my God. So, this episode is at least better than maybe eight. Marvel, well, the Marvel movies, <laughs> quite a few, <laughs> and most X Men yeah. movies. Well, I'm gonna stick with the Marvel movies because it's, it's easy to, to it's true, cry the X Men movies. It's true. There's like only what three of the good of, of of all of the X Men movies. There's like probably three that were good. That's true. That's true. But let's not get sidetracked. You're right. This is better than most shit most people are making. Right from the beginning, we are opened up with this windy shot. That's like a suspending shot. That's coming from all of the chaos that's happening at the TVA. And as we lead ourselves um, past this doorway, this doorway that has the texture of, of you know, one of those sand clocks and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got uh, um, hourglasses on it or infinity symbols, maybe, depending on what you think of it. They also make the shape of these runes, these runes that um, speak about having a, a darkness and lightness. Okay, so it looks like two triangles facing each other so you have a duality yeah. rune of some kind yes there's that too like the production design all throughout this series and all the other series like are just like jam-packed yeah it's been exemplary especially this series because you know at the end of the day you're talking about a norse god and so most of these stories like are are you know a lot of a lot of elements are taken from actual uh norse uh mythology yeah you know? yeah absolutely uh, they are Oh, like all, all, all over the place. Cutting you know? Sith's hair in the last episode, for example. Exactly. So we're we're we have this rotating sh- um shot that's almost like the hand turning on the clock as well. As we uh, as we go in and and we're seeing the aftermath of, of the last episode, mm-hmm. and you, you have Sylphie and, and Renslayer there, and you know they're both at odds with each other, can't really trust anything that Renslayer is saying. At one moment she's like, "Kill me," and then at one moment she's, uh, you know, doesn't want to die, and then at one moment she's making it seem like she's going to, like they really make it seem like, okay, now we have a girl team, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Let's get you know, to the bottom like, of this together. Yeah. Oh, and if we haven't said it before, let's just get it out of the way now. If you're listening, spoilers. Obviously, <laughs> if you didn't know we were going to spoil this, then this is your first episode and we welcome you to our podcast. But now that you're here, please know that we basically fucking spoil everything. So that said, spoilers, it's spoilers continue. They're working together now, presumably. But but again, that shit is bullshit. Yeah. Um, so uh, Rinslayer brings in Miss Minutes and Miss Minutes winds up being uh, like uh, very uncanny as well. Mm-hmm. Like she she comes up with this this whole idea of a a, a void spaceship. <laughs> yeah, like this, <laughs> this is le- com- completely a lie. Yeah, completely a lie. Like so, like I mean, this this really speaks to the sentience of Miss Minutes. And Miss Minutes is helping. Yeah, she's she's the oh the irony. Miss Minutes is stalling for time. 
<laughs> nice. That's that's what she's doing that whole time. Yeah, she's just stalling. You know? Oh, the files for the spaceship have got to be here somewhere. And Loki, or rather Sylvie, gets it. She totally gets it. Yeah, Why that is it taking so long? Yeah, that wasn't Rinslayer's idea. It was Miss Minna's idea. Yeah. Rinslayer was able to like very adequately go along with the idea, which kind of gave it away. You know, because she she had just said, "Oh, nothing, nothing can go through there." Oh, but the the void do do spaceship thingy. What can about do the it. MacGuffin? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that thing. <laughs> so now we know Miss Minutes can lie, if she wants to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, she she look. Miss Minutes saw the situation that Renslayer was in. You know, Renslayer's so the authority, to, so she's gonna go along. Oh, she ain't trying to help help Zilfi. <laughs> so you know, like they're they're able to uh, wait for the 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 guards to come in, and Zilfi, you know, she she saw too late that she was being taken for one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then and then she does the most incredible thing, and just prunes herself because Zilfi is like the smartest person in this whole series. You know, and the, the whole way, thing the way of she's pruning to... herself with the jump pad in her pocket. Yes, brilliant, brilliant. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I do wonder about Renslayer, what she knows and what she doesn't know. Because I remember when she when she pruned Mobius, she looked to the side like, "Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this." But I I guess she was whether she knew he was going to that void or not. That day basically was his doom. To go to the void because of uh, El- well, Elia. that's it. Sending them to the void is functionally killing them because there's no way back yeah. from the void, and everything that goes to the void presumably gets mangled up in this uncertain time stream, end of time, no time place. Mm-hmm. So it is functionally a death sentence, even if you haven't burned him alive like it appears you have. You've just sent him somewhere else where he will inevitably die. It's all the same to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we have Loki and the Loki boys. Yeah. We have boastful Loki. He, I don't think he's actually... Um, An alternate Thor? I don't think he's worthy. No, Loki. no, no, no. I think I got that mixed up with yeah. a different character last time. Good call on it. Yeah. I, that would have been that would have been cool, though. Mm. But I, I liked what he winded up being anyway because he was hilarious. Yes, yes. <laughs> that actor never gets to be this hilarious. He always has to be scary <laughs> and... and and like intimidating in every movie, but he is so hilarious. He lies about getting all of the Infinity Stones and beating the <laughs> but Avengers. The way he told the story, the way he told the story, he just was just like, just drunk. Yep. Over like the the magnificence of his story, and then and then we have a, a classic Loki, which is basically 1960s Loki from the the 616 universe. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's journey into mystery, Loki. Oh, definitely. And we have uh, Kid Loki, mm-hmm. who you know, whose Nexus event was killing Thor, which was a great moment. And you could see through the whole episode, he scares the shit out of the other Lokis. He's the one they're scared of. Oh yeah. Even at one point, when our Loki is insulting him, and they're like, "You would do best not to to insult the boy," you know, like chill yeah. out, dude. This guy's a little unstable. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, well he killed Thor. Oh well, fuck." They do such a good job laying out subtle exposition for all of these characters without having to go overboard with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of a kid killing Thor and not having access to his brother, you could see how alone that made that kid. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, and he was one of the main ones talking about wanting to change himself. Yeah, and his 
Thor would have been a child when he killed him as well. They were kids together. So fuck, that's even more grim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then last but not least. Yeah, Alligator Thor. (laughs) I I wonder about his world, whether he was transformed into a gator or he just comes from a gator version of uh, Asgard. (laughs) Well, it's funny. They say his Nexus event is eating the wrong cat, which presumes there was a right cat to eat. (laughs) So they don't give us a whole lot. uh, But then, you know, we get we we get a healthy respect for him by the end of the episode because he Mm -hmm. does really contribute and is fun. So, I mean, this series is called Loki and it's such a very interesting exploration of the character. You know, because throughout the series, uh, Loki has he's having this kind of existential nightmare where he has to deal with, like, the, first of all, this cloaked version of himself causing all this trouble. Um, the fact that like his like everything that he's been working towards has been meaningless because he just dies at the hands of Thanos, you know, and then like not really having a place in any universe and and constantly coming in contact with why he doesn't really work as a person functionally. Yeah. You know, then then having, you know, like there's a Wizard of Oz bent that's happening throughout the whole series. Of course. But then you have then you have a Christmas Carol version happening in this series where you have um, you know old Loki and young Loki. Past, present and future. You know? That's funny. I didn't put that together. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, it's 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 crazy when you when you when you see what happens to an old Loki who who's through all of his cunning and and trickery was able to actually escape and what that what that gives you it gives you like decades probably not even decades hundreds of years thousands of solitude of for, solitude maybe. yeah thousands of, yeah 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 for you to just get get so lonely and bored and missing your brother and and then just to be banished to this one place and and then you know to be that child and and of course Loki was that child who, you know, was basically spoiled and, and at the same time feeling like he didn't belong anywhere. It's 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 such a crazy exploration. And then you see all the other these other like like versions of Loki that Loki could have been every other week. Just like some stupid villain. <laughs> like a, for a, yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. a mad dash of power and betrayal. And you know, there's that one point where they all laugh at him because this Loki's trying to be the hero. He's like, come with me, brothers. Yeah, yeah. Come with me, brothers, and do this. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> and he calls them monsters. He calls himself. Yeah. He calls himself a monster. And I think a lot of that also harkens back to the to the Norse mythology of it, because in the Norse mythology, Loki is the god of mischief, but he's also more specifically the god of foils. He is the villain that exists so that the hero may succeed. He Mm -hmm. is literally the god of failure. Mm -hmm. And so his only reason to exist is so that the heroes may be heroic because you can't have heroes if you don't have villains. Mm -hmm. And so his sole purpose in the universe is as this pawn of the heroes. He is destined to lose and to be shitty in the face of their heroism. That's his whole reason for existing. He's he's the boss at, at the end of the first level. That's it. Every time. <laughs> and he's living this, this cycle over and over and over again. And he wants to choose to be something different. And every time they choose to be something different, they get pruned. Or if they just fuck up too big, they get pruned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. 
you know, maybe in that moment where where young Sylvie is playing as a Valkyrie, you know, she she has a moment of empathy and reverence for the hero. And that alone is enough to warrant her being whisked off to the TVA. Who knows? Yeah. Speaking of Sylvie, Sylvie wakes up um, kind of similar similarly the way Loki wakes up in that world. You know, they, 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 they keep doing a bunch of visual things to sh- kind of show their their equal story. Um, she she comes in contact with Alioth, the big purple gas uh, villain. Yeah, and it, it's so funny because you know, especially in the early part of these superhero movies, like twenty years ago. Oh, the deadly cloud. There would often be a deadly cloud, but this one was made sense, and this one was cool. You know, in the comic I, book, he's a big purple cloud. Yeah, he that literally works. is. Yeah, he literally <laughs> is. But you know, but but it's it's just funny what used to pass for like this really awesome monstrous villain that you really couldn't do anything against. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, we have uh, Sylvie making connection with Alioth and uh, and getting us just kind of a, a, a complete look into what the next stage of the story is going to be. And then um, just like uh, uh, Deus Ex Machina, uh, we, we get into a situation where Mobius knows to get into a car and go towards, <laughs> and goes towards her to save her. You know, but we're yeah, I we guess don't we're, know. we're not going to ask okay questions, right? And that's that's the only thing. It's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, because Rachel and I were discussing this after we watched the episode that there's a there's a mass and matter problem here. That if you're constantly obliterating entire worlds and sending them to one place, how can that monster consume enough matter? that the realm that you're sending it to doesn't become overwhelmed with matter. And if that's the case, the chances of any of these characters being within thousands of miles of each other is like zero. So we got to forget all that and just say, we're having a good time. Yeah. And we accept that Mobius shows up with a car and jump in. We're on our way. That's the only thing. It's like, are you fucking serious? (laughs) It's cool. It's cool. I'm good with it. Anyway, uh, we're just glad to see Mobius back, but like that—that—that's yeah. a hell of a stretch. Anyway, picks her up, and that's great because that—that's going to lead us um, back to the whole gang be- getting back together. Uh, yep. We could talk. About, I want to talk about like just that fight between all of the Lokis. <laughs> oh, but before we get to the fight, though, because they—they're clearly hiding out in a bunker full of like a bunch of old stuff from oh, the yeah. past and the future and different timelines. But as they go into the bunker. We see fucking Molnir in the mm. wreckage. Oh yeah, and we see Frog Thor in a goddamn jar. Well, I want to I want to speak about all of the Easter eggs after we go through the plot because they, there's just a whole rundown of of all of those. All right, sure, sure, sure. We can talk about that at the end. But I was just figured we got a whole nother character introduced. It would be remiss if we oh didn't no no, no that's that's no, no, well that's fine. You did it and you did it in a glorious way. You did it in a glorious thank you, thank raid. <laughs> They've been pulling that um, gag for a while, like, like ever since the Simpsons. Or, and I don't know who did it first, but you know, you going going through rooms and and seeing what's like hidden in between the rooms and the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a classic gag. Yeah, they did it in WandaVision as well. So that was pretty sad to see Throg like uh, held in that containment um, box or jar. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, battle royale: Loki versus Loki versus Loki versus Loki. <laughs> so 
So vote for Loki, a.k.a. President Loki, leads a band of Loki marauders. I, I presume <laughs> some of them are Lokis and some of them are just people because clearly just people go here. So I think some of them are regular people, but some of them are Lokis. This was the one thing I felt if they had made everybody in the Loki gang like an obvious Loki, that would have mm. been so hot. But I'll take I'll take generic marauders. I understand we got production costs to consider. And so... They come down and vote for Loki is going to wipe out the other Lokis with the help of one of them. So, of course, the circle of betrayal begins Mm -hmm. where boastful Loki has betrayed his counterparts to President Loki. But then President Loki has betrayed boastful Loki (laughs) and he is then subsequently betrayed by his own men. And everybody realizes that you can't make any deals in this world because nobody is ever telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And so everybody decides to just kill everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Then that fight was so cool, man. Like you, you get, you get, you get a look at, um, you know, who, who's arguably the most powerful Loki there, the older Loki. You know, he just mm-hmm. he makes he makes freaking three clones of himself, um, our Loki and Kid Loki to fight off all those people while they escape in a portal. Well, they just walk <laughs> away, yeah, in a escape portal. Escape in a yep. portal. So sick. Oh, and Tom Hiddleston's scream when President Loki gets his hand bit off by Alligator Loki. <laughs> so good. Which furthers Kevin Feige's obsession with that scene in Star Wars, which I know you don't care about, but but it furthers his obsession because he is obsessed with that theme. And that's why everybody loses their hand in the, in the Marvel universe. Is, is there some idea that I don't care about Star Wars? I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I mean, I, I, like, I like any good reference to Star Wars, but I don't, you know what fair I don't enough, care about. You know what I don't care so for. That's a, good, that's a good Star Wars call out there. Mm-hmm. He gets oh, yeah. his hand bit off just before they escape. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, so great. So So they escape and they try to figure out what they're going to do. And they decide that, well, our Loki decides he's going to attack Eliot. He's going to attack a giant purple cloud. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's like, I'm just going to I'm going to go up there and I'm going to find it. and I'm going to rip its heart out. That's your plan. (laughs) He's like, yeah, well, at least I have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. But it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you know, Sylvie Sylvie was like able to bring that up. First of all, I want to speak about their reunion again because yeah, because uh, uh, Mister Tommy thinks that they're gonna have like a, a brother sister relationship, and that that that's bull. <laughs> like these people are in love right now, man. Like that's that's <laughs> that, that was the whole that was the whole like that's been their whole thing. This this show has been filled with all this romance of people that never really got to really feel loved or wanted before. You know, we'll uh, see, we'll see. Uh, no, man, I agree <laughs> that it seems it's romantic love, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's totally romantic. You crazy until bro. they kiss. It's innuendo. <laughs> but that's that's the thing, though. Like that that's one of the smartest things about Marvel. You know, in the yesteryear, the kiss beat was always such an easy thing to get to. It's like oh, I saved you once. Here, you get a kiss now. You know, <laughs> versus like it actually being yeah. a more real, believable thing. It's like the, the yeah. like Loki. You you see them. It's so brilliant what they what they've done because Loki has always been for himself, and then to actually have to confront these feelings of like how do I then love someone? How do I get myself closer to a person? You see him trying to make m- movements, but then he winds up doing something selfish. 
I totally agree. I totally agree. I, you're preaching to the choir. Until <laughs> they do it on screen, it's not canonical. You stubborn, <laughs> stubborn man. Anyway, I, I was That's right. I was swooning. I was swooning over but how very adorable, nice moment. adorable this the romance was in this thing. I don't know how frost giants get cold. Tell me how frost giants get chilly, but you know, we'll move on from there. Oh, they get really uh wishy-washy on Loki's like his being like his powers, like all this type of stuff. He's not supposed to ever get cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's just kind of weird. Anyway, it it it, it works for this anal. scene. So yes, very nice moment. It works perfectly. You have him first put the um, the blanket on himself, you know, and then he tries to lend out a, a hand like I could, you know, give you one too. And then he just shares his. They're going back and forth with what Mobius was talking about. It's like, oh, sure, it's, it's not us being in love. You, yeah, it's not. That's not what caused the nexus. No, that's not what it is. You know, that's exactly what it was. You know, and then eventually, you know, they share the blanket together, and she's being vulnerable. And the way he looks at her, the 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 way she looked at her when she said, "Well, you need some help," and he looked at her like, "Oh, you." <laughs> so, I wanted to cry. It was so beautiful. I like to see something it's so so, so believably put together, not just like stuff where again, like there's been so many things we're so used to it too, where it's just like the man does like the littlest thing to a woman, and a woman just throws herself into his arms, you know <laughs> it's nice to watch emotional connection develop in real time as opposed to get rushed as it often is because that's usually that's usually a subplot situation, yeah in a movie or a TV show. So they got to get to it. You know, there's a time problem. We don't have the time to watch two people fall in love the way people fall in love. You know, my, when my girlfriend and I met, you know, we didn't, we didn't immediately like, yes, it's you. And now we're together forever. There was time. You Mm -hmm. had to do things and have experiences and then realize that you're supposed to be together. And then you are And most movies and TV shows. Don't have time for that shit. It's nice to watch this one, have that time, especially with people who are so emotionally damaged because something like love for them. Isn't something that's going to be taken lightly or commonly. Dude, like, Everything you said, that, that's exactly why I left that comment on my Facebook for people that actually know me on my Facebook. I said, can Marvel just make TV shows now? <laughs> like, just <laughs> like you guys found your medium <laughs> because like, the, yeah, the, yeah, because because you feel every moment, every moment is so earned, you know, like, I mean, of course, we've seen this in the movies, too. But it, of course, it takes longer because it's movies where, you know, we've seen we've seen the whole arc of Loki work its way out through like eight years of movies, you know, but this one was way more satisfying because it was, it was a single story that was being told versus like ancillary stories of Loki scattered here and there. So it's just like, so, you know, eventually, so Loki, you know, he lets her know that he is changed. He's not going to do this to her, not her, the person that he feels like is one of the most important people he's come across. Well, yeah, they're going to go attack this thing. And her first question is, are you going to betray me? Because that's kind of what we do. Like, let's get that out of the way right now. Like, it's what we do. So let's talk about it. And he explains that he is changed. And I think there's every reason to believe him, of course. I mean, we saw the change in Loki when his reaction to Mobius getting pruned. Yep. And then uh, then when he says he's not taking this temp pad and he gives it to Mobius... 
And, you know, the other the other Lokis, you know, who've been emboldened by this like really strange Loki uh, variant that's shown up on their door. They, you know, like this is their home. They, they're they going to survive. They're going to stay here. Mobius leaves. And then we just have these just these moments of valor and, and heroism that is just like it's just like anything that's earned because anybody could just pump their chest and be like, I'm a hero. But when it's so earned and you have kid Loki giving passing his sword over. I mean, is that the story of Galahad? I can't remember. No, there's the, it is a reference to a Norse mythological object, the flaming sword. Mm-hmm. But I think the part of it is is that Lokis are also largely kind of cowards yes. in a way where they yes. don't ever fight. They survive. They run and they yeah. survive. I'm not going back to the TVA. I know how to survive here. I'm going to survive here. And then, of course, Richard Grant changing his mind at the last minute, deciding, no, I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to be the hero. Talk about cowardice. Like he he hit, he hit as a piece of debris <laughs> uh, in space yeah, and yeah. then just floated in space for a while and stuff. You know, that that was the end of his story. That's how he escaped the end of Ragnarok. You know, when Thanos boards their ship, he floats away as a piece of garbage, literally and figuratively. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and again, Mobius makes that huge point to him. Mobius has been like just the arbiter of change with just his little wistful things that he says, you know, when, when it comes to, to his purview and the way he thinks about things. He'd believed in this stuff for so long. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to tear this down. Classic Loki's like, you're really going to tear down everything you believe in? He's like, yeah, you can always change. Yep. And you have that that minute, that that second of like glorious acting from this man. Yeah, he takes that beat from Richard Grant takes the beat and you see that realization of I can be the hero too and I Can I'm you gonna. believe can you believe we're still talking about one fucking episode? <laughs> this episode is so amazing. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. This episode was so amazing. So oh my god. And so, so Richard Grant does maniacal screaming, awesome laughter and power as well as anybody. He's so he's such a good physical actor. Oh yeah. And he creates this illusion of all of of Asgard. Wait, wait, wait! Don't don't, be... don't, bury, don't bury the lead. Don't bury the lead. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I thought we were there. No, 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 no. Because, um, uh, you know, of course, he he take he goes um and he t- he goes right behind Sophie's back, which it's always the visual of like, oh, you go first, but it's more support, you know, as he says, I'm going to take. I'm going to take um, the attention from uh, from this beast, and you go. He goes mm-hmm. off and has that run as a hero with that flaming sword, that beautiful yeah, image yeah, yeah, of that yeah. flaming sword. But it's it's not enough because Elioth knows that this girl is up to something. So then you see that flash of green. You think it might be from our Loki, but it's not. And continue what you're about to say, buddy. Oh, and then you get Richard Grant in all of his fucking old school, silver age glory, just maniacally screaming and laughing at his own power. Oh, my God. And he creates an illusion of all of Asgard returning. And it's as big as a city. And it looks amazing. And what's so funny about that is when you first see this Loki, he looks easiest, the silliest. And but then at that moment, he looks so fucking epic. 
<laughs> he does. He does. Because we grew up with that shit oh. that doesn't look funny to us. You know, when somebody like Brian Singer says, you can't just stick somebody on screen in yellow spandex and have us take them seriously. Yeah. And then fucking Marvel only needed 22 minutes oh, yeah. for me to buy in 100%. Yellow spandex, on screen, goofy horns, and yeah. I'm in. Oh, yeah. And Brian Singer said you could never do it. And Marvel did it in, in like 20 minutes. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I don't think what Brian Singer has to say like like carries any weight like with what Marvel's done for the last lat the last fifteen years, you know. But that's that's all I'll speak on that. So anyway, um, we get to, we get to see Asgard risen up again, and it's and it's and it's very poetic. Yeah, what means everything to Loki? Home. It was was home, and it just makes me want to cry right now. <laughs> so it's so Aww, beautiful. Like it's too. it's just like but like yeah, it's it's fucking amazing. You know, like as Elioth gets pissed off that he was uh, being baited by this crazy snack, he see who the yep. ac- he sees who the actual snack is. This super powerful Loki, and Loki stands there, and Elioth takes him out in this heroic moment, going out with in blazes with a laugh. And what's crazy about the sound design, you still hear that laugh going as he's being consumed. You yeah. hear it like you hear it kind of getting digitized a little bit. He got to change his whole story and be the hero and go out a hero. Yes. And he has that moment that he's been fighting for for thousands more years than the rest of them. And such, I mean, just Richard Grant can't say enough about how good he was in that role. And like the 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 condescension in his voice when Loki talks about a dagger and he's like, oh, I gave up daggers years ago. We do magic, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you trying to stab people with a point with a pointy piece of metal? You do magic because uh, because everybody else had a weapon. It, it just, it just, I know, it but just he's shows, just so funny. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it just shows the wisdom of like a old, uh, older Loki who's gone who's gone through that, been there, done that, and realized what his full potential could be, and that 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 is a node that shows Sylvie and Loki what their potential is like that, like, like oh, how, yeah. how powerful they could be. And so Richard Grant is eaten by Alioth. And now we have our Lokis. Well, we have our Lokis um, holding hands together and you, and you, you see how, how taxing this is for Loki uh, on his face, trying to like, then come up with this, this power. Um, it's funny because one of the other um, sites, um, I think it was rock stars, new rock stars on YouTube. They they brought up the fact that um Loki, the Loki um that was in Ragnarok, at that point knew knew how to access people's minds. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. Because because when we have Valkyrie's flashback, yes. we're having it through Loki's eyes. Yes, but that's but, right. Holy shit! But that's a Loki that got to live at least a good six years past the war in um uh, in yeah. New York, New York. So he got to learn a bunch of things by oh, then. Sure, yeah, 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 totally. You know? So, so, so that's totally ability that he could have. You know, so like it's it's so crazy how twisty and turny. I like it. That's a good story, call. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's fantastic. So you know, they finally worked this thing together, and you know, like there's so much visual resemblance to Wizard of Oz. Alioth is basically the cyclone. You know. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. Oh, definitely. And um, 
So then then we're opened up to this glorious home. I mean, who who could this be other than Kang? It's probably Kang Citadel. Yeah. I mean, who else could it be at this point? Yeah. I mean, the show's called Loki. It's definitely a possibility that it's another Loki. The only other possibility that I'm thinking maybe, and this is from the, the comics, what if it's Mobius? Yeah, Mobius is a Loki. That Mobius goes back, tears down the TVA, only to then exist long enough to create it. Because yeah. in the comics, the TVA was created not by the timekeepers, but by what are known as the one who remains, who was the very last TVA agent left at the end of time, who then goes back to the beginning of time to ensure that the TVA is created. Yeah, I mean... So it's a circular loop. Could be Mobius is the one who remains. So I, the only thing that goes against that is that time works different at the TVA for 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 him to have to go through this weird time loop to go around in a circle like now that granted I'll give you that that would be a way more emotional like just kind of like you know butt clinching thing for Loki to have to go go fight this like insane sort of mobius type character cuz mm-hmm. cuz I don't know what cuz I mean, it it makes sense that the story of mobius would be weird for him to go to TVA it's like hey Hey, this is all fake. Wow. You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, well, when he leaves, they said, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to burn it down. But I'm just saying it's, it's just it's, un- it's unlikely that that will happen. Well, so let me pitch a theory. Let me let me let me write it. Let me write it up real quick. Mobius goes back, destroys the TVA, realizes that the TVA did actually serve some kind of purpose or goes into the future where something, the lack of the TVA means something goes wrong. Therefore he creates the TVA, goes back in time, stops himself and institutes himself as the timekeeper. They get all the way to the Citadel or whatever this castle that's been revealed in the purple cloud. And there's like a 10 billion year old Mobius explaining that the only way this moment could happen was if he went back and made sure everything that had happened ha- happened. But it's just, that's my only thing against that is through the, the rules of the show itself is that this time passes different. It'd be different if like time passed regular at the TVA. Cause like where else would he be? But at the TVA, like TVA seems like it's like a limbo place. Yeah, yeah, it's the space between dimensions. Yeah, so f- like I mean, for 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 him to have that much time pass with no explanation, that like say for instance, of oh, they did go to Kang's house, um, every second is like five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that's been properly explained. So while I like that, there's the idea that Mo- either Mobius or Loki winds up being some some, some sort of villain. Too many things are pointing towards Kang, you know, but at the same time, Marvel likes to throw a lot of wet red herrings and they don't do the most unexpected thing usually, you know? So, but I mean, but with them setting up Jonathan Majors as Kang, it just, it just seems like apropos. It's tough to say what it's going to be. Probably thing that won't happen is like, we're going to learn about Kang, but we won't see Kang because Kang is busy somewhere else. 
you know. Yeah, uh, that's but, what and, and, do. And, 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 you, and, and we probably most likely have to deal with Renslayer. Maybe we get Kang in a post credit. I mean, after an episode like this, like, it has to be followed by something like fucking fantastic for, for us to lead into the second season. All right. From your lips to Kevin Feige's ears. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to talk about some of the Easter eggs, right? Yeah, let's do a rundown of the Easter eggs really quickly. So you said our first journey into mystery, you know, that that was an actual comic. Yeah, that was where Thor and Loki show up. That's their first book. It was like before the first, Thor. yeah, first time they showed up. Oh yeah. So then they, they have the Thanos copter, bro. Ah. <laughs> Thanos's goofy ass copter that he had in the comic books. There was a Spider-Man miniseries, and Thanos is after Spider-Man, and he's chasing him all over New York City in a yellow helicopter that says yeah. Thanos printed on the side. <laughs> I wonder who printed that that sign for him. Uh, right. It's, it's, uh, Spidey Super Stories 39 from 1979. All right. On. Uh, uh, so uh, we, we have an ecto-cooler, which is a green yep. drink. From 1989. <laughs> yeah, a green drink that, uh, that kid Loki is drinking. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, Kid Loki seems to be wielding a flaming sword, which looks an awful lot like Leviathan, the sword he wielded in Loki, Agent of Asgard. There you go. That was the sword. Oh, so they show the game Polybius. In the background oh, of Loki's- Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, in the background of Loki's layers, we see a Polybius arcade machine. Polybius is a long-running urban legend. Supposedly back in 1981, the arcade machine was set up in Portland, Oregon, watched over by various men in black. The game was so addicting that it caused fights to break out and horrible side effects to its players. Yeah, Polybius was like an urban legend video game console. I want to give credit to this is from the website Den of Geek, and they have oh, right the, the name of it of uh, the article, guys, is Marvel's Loki's Episode Five: MCU Easter Eggs and References. All right, I'm run th- run through a few more of these. I've seen a few of them, but one of them I want to talk about real quick before you move on, because I think it's wrong and I don't like it, is when we see Frog Thor in the jar, right? The Mm -hmm. serial number on the jar is T365, right? Mm. So that's supposed to reference Thor 365, which is the first full appearance of Throg, Frog Thor. And that's wrong. That's bullshit. Because it's actually Thor 364, which I got in my long box. Thank you very much, Cha-Ching. <laughs> because two days ago, that book was worth $5. And I looked it up this morning. It's going for like 40 bucks on eBay right now. So the first issue, the true first appearance is 364. And this is that shit Marvel used to do all the time. So like Carnage is a good example of that. I have Carnage's first appearance because he appears in the last panel of one issue, and then the next issue is the first full appearance. So Marvel likes to make every book special. So mm-hmm. we we just get a glimpse of Frog Thor in 364, and then, yes, we get the full Frog Thor in 365, but it should be T364 printed on the side of that goddamn jar. It's a little semantic, but it's worth 40 <laughs> bucks to me. Tales to admonish! <laughs> if we're gonna get anal about it i have that book in my long box i love the walter simonson run of thor that book means the world to me they're wrong sorry you're wrong fuck you guys so the, this is a perfect episode for um for easter eggs because this basically takes place in a wasteland so what we have if i mean most people had to see this there was this big sculpture of these heads that had cloths on it so that's the living tribunal 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the a cosmic entity created by Stan Lee and, and Mary Severin back in 1967. That's the, the real the, fucking timekeeper. Oh, yeah. The presence of the Living tri- Tribunal, even one who is dead at this present time, whose entire purpose or being is predicated on the existence of multiverses, means that the TVA is, very, is trying very hard to cut all ties and any evidence of the fact that the multiverse is already out there. All right? So there's yeah. a USS, USS Eldridge. USS Eldridge was a real cannon-class destroyer in the U.S. Navy in use from 1943 to 1992. It was supposedly sold for scrap after it was decommissioned, but Loki posits that perhaps it was unwanted variant in the sacred timeline. Perhaps this is because the ship was rumored to be subjected to the Philadelphia experiment. That was supposed mm-hmm. to render it invisible to the human eye. You know, uh, it's so crazy they add all this sort of stuff in this. So, yeah, um, yeah. let's see. They, they have the castle. Yes, we know the ominous castle sure looks like Dr. Doom's home of Doomstat, but probably not. More likely, this is Castle Limbo, home of King the Conqueror. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, there's there's also um, th- there's a big sculpture, not, not even a sculpture. It's a big helmet of yellow jacket that's hanging around there. Yeah, so the giant vil- yellow the vil- jacket helmet. Yeah, the villain, villain of Ant-Man. Yep, the Ant-Man villain has a giant helmet there. The Dark Aster, which is, you know, the ship that we see in Guardians of the Galaxy as piloted by Ronin. And mm-hmm. so that's there. There's a crashed Dark Aster. And then there's also the Avengers Tower, but it's labeled Kang Enterprises. And it's spelled Q-E-N-G. Yes, but it's pronounced Kang. There's and but there's two buildings that um um have King on it. There's a uh, the Kang, Kang Tower and Kang Enterprises. Well, and in the comics, those are a front for Nathaniel Richards' business enterprises. Specifically, when he's Immortus, but Immortus is Kang. Kang is Immortus, so it's all Kang all the way down. <laughs> So this turned into a jumbo episode, and I mean it's only no, fitting it for did. for an epi- episode like this. But uh, I mean that's that's about all I have. That's all I got too. We watched them wade into the purple mist onto the final episode, which I'm sure we're all waiting with uh, bated breath for. But uh, if people want to know a little bit more about Arthur and not just Loki, where are they going to find <laughs> Arthur at? Oh, forget about me. It's all about Loki, baby. <laughs> uh, I do have to say uh, you can go to uh, my website um, ArthurRomeo.live and um, yeah that's that's all I say for now I'm so excited about Loki <laughs> right on and if you want to find me you can find me on Facebook at Thomas Olton or you can find me on Instagram at Thomas.Olton you can also find our Instagram for the show at tales to admonish with all underscores the way Instagram does it and we are now on YouTube so you can watch at the tales to admonish channel episodes usually go up about one day later than your average podcast app and if you are using a podcast app please go online rate and review us it helps with our visibility and helps more people find the show and we surely do appreciate it yeah, please uh, check out the Instagram because Tom is doing killer workups, visual workups for the, each episode. Oh my god, they, <laughs> they they aren't to be missed. They're so fantastic. I, I love this man for all the work that he does on this podcast. Because like I'm uh. so busy with I'm so busy with all the stuff that I do. He's just like he's making this podcast like just. Mm, chef kiss. Mwah. Thank you, sir. Well, I got a beast of an editing job ahead of me at the end of this one. This is going to take some time, oh, but it's all no. worth it. It's all worth it just to spend a little time with my best friend, Arthur, oh, my on buddy. our favorite podcast, Tales to Admonish.
Chris, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me just take a little take at the other one because I think I got some background noise for a second. Um, <laughs> fuck it, that take will do. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.